So when we talk about ministry, the word ministry, serving God full-time, most people think of pastors, preachers, and missionaries, that kind of person. But the Bible actually teaches that every believer is called to full-time ministry. Thank you for that excited response. Every single one of us, because we serve God inside the church and outside the church. You want a scripture? Here we go. 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Tell the person next to you, you have a holy calling. Oh, wow. I hope you're starting to get nervous right now because you really should. They did a study of the 40 of the highest profile people in the Bible, people like Abraham and Moses and, and Noah and David and Joseph. Do you know that three out of four of them, 75% never had a religious job as we know it. They weren't priests, they weren't pastors, they weren't missionaries. 75% never left the workplace. Of so these people that we admire so incredibly, Ed Silvoso gives us three myths that derail the church. In other words, makes the church not as effective as it should be or makes it somewhat ineffective. Here they are. Number one, that there's two categories of people in the church. There's the clergy and there's the laity. And guess what? The clergy is superior to the laity. That's one of the myths. It's one of the myths. You think, oh, he's called to the ministry. Wow, my son's got the... No, no, friends. That's a myth. In fact, neither word, laity or clergy, search your Bible. It's not found. Those words are not in the Bible. And terms like that have immobilized large portions of the church. See, when you limit the work of God to a few paid professionals... It probably explains why the church has not made the advance worldwide that it should have by now. Because a few people just can't get the job done. We need to mobilize the entire army of God as full-time ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, anointed with power from on high. The second myth (laughs) is that the focal point of Christianity is church services, mostly inside a building. Isn't that interesting? Where are the unsaved? And yet all our focus comes inside. It's a myth that derails the church. The third myth is this, that marketplace ministers, that you guys, most of you, are not as spiritual as church ministers. Where did that come from? Did we get a special Holy Spirit? And you got some second rate? You know, that you're just not as anointed? It's just a lie of the devil from the pit of hell. But when you think that way, if you think you're not as anointed as people who work like I do, then you're never going to function at any significant level in whatever you're doing. You'll just be at a far lower level. See, many people see church work as spiritual and everything else is just secular. I'm just out in the carnal workforce. And so, in fact, you then think, I don't even have to be spiritual to do my job. Well, you're not going to do a proper job if you aren't spiritual. That hopefully will come out. So here's a word I want you to think about, the word vocation. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from a Latin word, voice. 
Vocation, listen carefully, is a voice you hear calling you. You are called by God to a vocation. It's not, I want this job, I want that job, I want to do this, I want to do that. No, no, no. You're the same as me. I didn't ask for this job. I was called to it. You've you got to be called to your job. You've got to be called to whatever God's role has for you in his life. And your call as a teacher or a nurse or an engineer or an IT worker or a salesperson is just as, just as important as my call to be a preacher of the gospel. We've got to stop, you know, evaluating things. You know, this is a low calling and this is a high calling. No, no, no. You, when you stand before God, all that matters is were you faithful to what God called you to do? Was I faithful to what I called you to do? What you got God called you to do? That's all that really matters, friends. If we can understand this truth, it is going to revolutionize and change your life and how you think or how you function in the best. See, it's not a matter of what job's going to pay the most. Hello? Hello? No, no, that's not the issue. Otherwise, I'm in the wrong job. You've got to get the job that God's called you to. It's really important, friends. Parents, pray for your kids that they find God's calling on their lives and what God has called them to do. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. So Jeremiah, we think, wow, man, amazing Jeremiah. Before he was born, God called him to a prophet, to be a prophet to the nations. But guess what? Before you were born, God set you apart to be a teacher, to be a nurse, you know, to be an IT worker, to be an engineer, whatever it might, to be a lawyer, to be a, a laborer, to be a bill, whatever it is. Before you were born, God set you apart and he anointed you for your calling, your vocation in the workplace. Is anyone getting what I'm talking about? If you don't get this, you know what disappointment means? Where it comes from? Apart from your appointment. Apart from your appointment. A lot of disappointed people in the world, I'm not disappointed because I'm in my appointment. When you're not in your appointment, you end up disappointed. So you've got to find out your vocation. Find out your God-given appointment. And don't minimize what it is. You might just say, I'm a laborer in a factory. God bless you there. It's as important as a CEO in a big company. You've just got to be faithful to that. We evaluate things, and that's what messes everybody up. And the worst evaluation we've done is we've put up the pulpit and the platform way up there. And everyone else, that, that's one of the greatest injustice we've done, and it's immobilized the church from functioning as it should function. So we think of Jesus as a preacher. I think he belongs to the church. Yet, guess what? He spent most of his life as a carpenter, running a business. Just the last three years out there preaching the gospel. Jesus belongs more in the marketplace than in the church. And that's where most of you and most Christians are. 
Maybe we need more anointing to serve God in the hostile environment of the workplace where the unsaved are, the sinners, the bad language, the, 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 the talk that's out there, the anti-God attitudes, the persecution of Christians. Maybe you need more anointing out there than for those of us who serve within the relative safety of the church. You need God in the market. How many of you know you need God in the marketplace? Right? Don't you? I mean, isn't it wild out there? It's where all the demons are. Hopefully not too many in here, but there's probably a few. That's where, that's, where, that's where it's at. And so you need the Spirit of God to be upon you in incredible and powerful, powerful ways. So if you think about it, most Christians spend 40 to 60 hours in the workplace. If there's any place <laughs> where you need to know how to work out your faith, and know God's presence and power and spirit, it's got to be in the workplace because that's where you spend most of your time. You know, you might be anointed in here for, what, an hour and a half a week or a couple of hours a week, but you're out there 40, 40 plus hours. That's where you need God. That's where you need to know his power and his anointing and his spirit upon you. And uh, we need to value uh, those who are in the marketplace. They say the marketplace is the most neglected mission field in the world. It's not the mission field out there, friends. It's the mission field that you're going to go to tomorrow. Yeah. That's the mission field. And if we can get this sorted out, we're going to start to make some real progress. So, you know, we elevate pastors and we minimize others, all right? So I'm going to put this to the test. Some of you have heard this before, but I just love this little test. So, <clears throat> so uh, which would you prefer? You know, we have garbage collectors. So imagine there's no garbage collector for six months. So you're putting your rubbish, it's out on the lawn, it's rotting away, rats infested, maggots, all the rest of it. So here's my question. Would you prefer no garbage collector for six months or no pastor for six months? <laughs> Give me the garbage collector. Who else is with me on that? Three of us. The rest of you, enjoy your rubbish. <laughs> All right. So the toilet's blocked. Okay? How many of you prefer? <laughs> no plumber or no pasta? Are you getting what I'm talking about? Why do we minimize vocations? And why do we elevate some? Because I know when we stand before God, it's just not going to be like that. It's going to be so very, very different. So if you see your job as ministry, full-time ministry, now listen carefully because this is my key point, you position yourself for a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit to excel in the marketplace. When you see it as full-time ministry. So I want you right now, as I do up my shoelace, Tell the person next to you, you are a full-time minister of the gospel. Now tell the person on the other side. All right. Now I want us all to say together, I am a full-time minister of the gospel. Come on, let's go. I am a full-time minister of the gospel, anointed of the Holy Spirit, filled with power. Glory to God.
Look at that. Look at that. Sometimes people ask me, how many full-time ministers in your church? I say thousands. They say, wow, how big is your church? I said, it's massive. <laughs> They're still trying to work it out, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, you know, over the years, we bring people to the front and we ordain them to ministry. We set them apart as a pastor or whatever. And we do that, don't we? For those of you who have not been around here that long, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, I don't know when it was, we brought everyone to the front, or it was a Sunday night, and we ordained everybody as full-time ministers in the marketplace. It was a powerful time. It was a season we went through as a church, and things began to change. I remember soon after that, I got an email came through from this lady who was in sales. She had two little sales. We anointed her full-time ministry in the marketplace, and within a week, <clears throat> she had about 80 listings uh, for sale, possible potential sales in her job. Things just changed. I remember preaching this message in another church, and then I went back to that, preached this message. We prayed for people, set them apart for ministry. A lady came up to me and she said, <clears throat> when you came last time, she said, I was selling boats. She said, I had no sales. She said, you, you laid hands on us, or we prayed for us, set us apart full-time ministry. She said, and it was not long ago, she said, since then, I've sold six boats, each costing $150,000. I said, send me my commission. <laughs> Another church uh, up north, I preached the same message up there. The guy came up to her, went back sometime later. He said, last time you came, he said, I'm an architect. He said, I had no contracts. He said, the, after, the week after you prayed, he said, I had three contracts come straight through. This works, friends. This works. So tonight, we're going to do it again. We're not going to set you apart as such, but we're going to lay hands on anyone who comes tonight that God will anoint you, and I'll tell you what, going to, what we'll pray later on in the message, uh, and set you and pray for you the, for your, the blessing of God in your marketplace ministry. And you know, maybe you're a volunteer, or maybe you're full-time with three or four kids at home. It, it's, it's all work, eh? it's all marketplace. So I'm not just talking about a, a, physical, a job, as a paid job out there. It could be a volunteer, it could be in the community. Whatever it is, whatever your vocation is right now, we want to pray for you tonight and that the Spirit of God is going to come upon you so you begin to excel at a far greater level than ever before. I am so looking forward to doing that tonight. So just a little point in passing. Next time you're traveling, going overseas, right? Got to fill in your documents? And it says occupation? I just want you to put minister of the gospel. <laughs> I dare you. I dare you. Come on. Do they ever check those things anyway? They all go in the bin, I'm sure. I'm not sure they do anything with that sort of stuff. So, yeah, yeah. In fact, there was a person in our church just a few weeks ago. They put in a prayer request because their finances were under attack. And after prayer, they said they thanked us for that. And they said they also managed to get, following that, they got three contracts and their daughters found jobs. Wow. This stuff is working, friends. So the point of this message is I really want to empower you in your full-time ministry in the workplace, in your vocation, so that you'll step into a whole new level of anointing, of success, of, um, of effectiveness, Lord, wherever you work. You imagine if you suddenly started to reach out for God's Spirit to be upon you in the workplace, how that would elevate 
your effectiveness and your success, you probably get a promotion out of it as well. So this message and what we do tonight when we lay hands on people, it's dedicated. Today is dedicated. It's what I felt to help you step into a new level of God's favor and blessing and success in your job, wherever that might be. This is a day that's dedicated to acknowledging every one of you as anointed ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, we should pray as much for God's presence in our jobs as we do for the church, as we do for the kids' ministry, as we do for the music, as we do for the preaching. In fact, we possibly should pray more for God's presence in the workplace. Because how many agree it's needed more out there than in here? Is that right? It's needed more out there than in here. Pray for your job. Pray for your workplace. See, what goes on inside the church building should happen all over the city. Because actually you are the church. Wherever you go, you're the church. Be the church where God has placed you. And I read this, that Paul wasn't just an asset to the church. He was an asset to the community. Interesting thought, isn't it? I'm sure many of you are an asset to the community, but maybe it would be good. That's why good neighbors is a great thing, because we become an asset to the community. And what I'm trying to do today is just to shift our focus from constant being locked aside the four walls, you know, to having a greater focus outside the four walls. I mean, Jesus did say, go into all the world. <laughs> he didn't say, go into the church. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel, because uh, that's where the needs are the, are the greatest. I have read, and I can't validate this because I haven't got the stats, but I read that Christians in the workplace across the globe now are winning their co-workers at a record rate. Yeah, like it's happening like never before. It's just, people are getting the vision of it, and they're getting an understanding that, you know, once you start to realize that you are mightily anointed of God in the workplace, mightily anointed of God, it all begins to change. It all begins to change. So, Riverview Community Bank, some of you have heard about it, <clears throat> in the U.S., the employees are trained to play, pray for the customers. They've worked out a system whereby they can do it effectively. And they have found that uh, over recent times there's been at least 54 miracles, 54 miracles in that bank, and 60 salvations. In fact, it was so significant what was happening in that bank that an article, a reporter from uh, Time magazine uh, turned up there and uh, was skeptical, <laughs> saw what happened. I think he eventually got saved. And then he wrote an article that was on the cover of Time magazine, and I think it was called God's Bank. Yeah. And they say that a TV cruise flew in from around the world to see what was happening in this bank. And uh, they started saying that if this is God's bank, we want to put our money in it. And the deposits just flooded in by the millions of dollars from everywhere. But that was because the, the CEO of that company finally had that revelation that, uh, you know, he was a marketplace minister, anointed of God, 
to see salvation, to see signs and wonders and miracles. I mean, we pray for miracles in the church, and that's great. We'll never stop doing that. But I think there's a greater need is out there in the marketplace for where the miracles need to flow. And that's where Jesus did most of his miracles, actually in the marketplace. So you're probably going to have more success when you pray for someone out there than when you pray for someone in here, because that's where the need is the greatest. And that's where the Holy Spirit goes, where the need is, is, is the most he goes there. I heard of this uh, chaplain at uh, this hotel, sorry, chain in the Philippines, where they started to offer intercession for customers as a part of their regular services. And this is in the Philippines. And they say that they, they have seen thousands of people saved. Thousands. Simply because they made a decision that, hey, we are full-time ministers of the gospel, and we're just going to offer to pray for people who book into these hotels. And uh, they're just seeing, seeing a move of God, an absolute move of the Holy Spirit. Awesome. Awesome. Colossians 3, 23 to 24. Uh, this is good. Watch this. Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. So tomorrow, as you go to work, right? Hello? You're going to work heartily for the Lord. Is that right? Heartily for the Lord. You better do that because the next part won't work for you otherwise. Because it goes on to say after that, um, knowing that from the Lord you shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord. So you serve the Lord Christ. So when you're going to work tomorrow, you're going to work for who? Yeah. You're going to work for Jesus. That's going to change things. Who reckons if you're working for Jesus, you might work a little bit harder? Who reckons if you're working for Jesus, you might just turn up on time? Hello? Tell the person next to you, turn up on time. Okay? If you're working for Jesus, you're not going to take extended coffee breaks, are you? No? No, you're not going to be doing social media and all the rest of it in work hours because Jesus is watching you. <laughs> it changes everything. It changes everything. When you're a full-time minister for the gospel in the marketplace, it changes absolutely everything. So, you know, it's easy to think I'm working for a heathen boss who I don't like. It doesn't pay me enough. I'm sure there's no one at church. Like, but in other churches, there's people that think that way. I've heard it. I've heard it. Now, you're a full-time minister working for God. Some of you hate your job. Well, here's my suggestion. Stop working for the company. Stop working for the paycheck. Stop working for the boss and start working for Jesus. Right. Yeah. I was, uh, someone told me a while ago that they were really struggling in their job. Big time. Big time. Then they got this revelation that they were actually working for Jesus. Everything changed. Everything changed. Their whole attitude changed. Their fulfillment changed. Their satisfaction of their job changed. Their murmuring and complaining changed. <laughs> it all changed. Because when you start complaining about your boss, you're actually complaining about Jesus now because that's who you're working for. I'm not saying your boss is perfect and maybe he does need to change, but we've got to shift our focus. 
so that we are working for the Lord. Here's a good verse for you. Daniel 1 verse 20. In all matters of wisdom and understanding, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the king found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers. Why? Because God was with them. So with God's help and anointing upon you, you should be able to excel beyond those contemporaries around you who have equal giftings, but you have the anointing coming on you, which enables you to do better than those around you. You know, when I was an accountant a few years ago, a number of years ago, uh, when they had difficult accounts, they would throw them to me. They said, we can't work this one out. It's just such a mess. Can you work it out? So they'd give it to me. I'd pray, Jesus, help me. And I'd sort it out. They, they were amazed. God can help you. I wonder how much you pray in the workplace. I wonder how often you're praying while you're at work. Just like I need to be praying for my work, you need to be praying just as much for your work. So can I encourage you that, you know, from tomorrow as you go to work, at least four or five times during the day, ask God to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you, to anoint you, to, to bless you, and you know, give you opportunities to even have a word for Jesus to people or to pray for someone who is sick, whatever it might be. So there's been two great reformations in history, probably more than that. So the first one is that for centuries, the Bible was only in the hands of leaders and priests, and they interpreted it, etc., etc. But the common people didn't have a Bible of their own. The first great reformation got this book back into the hands of God's people so they could read it and interpret it for themselves. It was massive. It was just a, a mighty, mighty reformation. But they say that we are now in the second great reformation. And you know what that is? That is restoring ministry, anointing, and power to the people of God. So it's restoring, it's shifting the anointing and the power so it's not just on the platform, but it's also in the pulpit. It's also in the pew. So I say power to the pew. I say anointing to God's people. And let's shift this. Let's be a part of that second great reformation. If, if this, you know what, what's gonna what you need today is a massive paradigm shift in your mind. A massive paradigm shift from I'm the minister anointed of God to no, no, you're the minister anointed for God as well. That you are a full-time minister of the gospel. And if we, it's a huge paradigm shift, and I probably can't get, get it through to all, us all in one service, but at least we're making a start here today. So Barbara was a judge, and she realized that she was a minister, and her courtroom was her pulpit. So she dedicated every case, dedicated the courtroom to the Lord, dedicated every case to the Lord that came her way. And in time, one of the judges got saved. And so she water baptized the judge, not in the church baptism tank, but in the courtroom. Somewhere in the courtroom, they found a place where she baptized him in water, prayed for him. He got filled with the Holy Spirit, and then more and more courtroom workers got saved as she realized that she was a, not just a judge, she was called by God, anointed of the Holy Spirit, to bring transformation to her workplace. And that's friends, what, the sort of thing that can begin to happen when we um, understand what we're talking about. I heard this other story. You might like this one. Um, this lady was at an executive position in a, in a role, and she got the revelation that she was also the pastor of that company. And the employees were her congregation to care for. 
Hello? So she prayed for her company, her boss, her workers. That's something to think about, isn't it? How about praying for your boss, your co-workers? She told the, the God showed her that a decision the company was going to make to buy a company was flawed. So she told the financial officer, who was very skeptical, but felt he better look into it. And she was right. That acquisition was, was, was very flawed. So he went back to the, uh, this, uh, this Christian lady and said, well, who told you? She was a bit shy on this, but eventually she got it. She said, well, God told me. So the CFO then said to her, well, what else did he tell you? <laughs> she saw herself as the pastor in the workplace. Can I suggest that you're the pastor in your workplace? Or is there someone better? Is there someone else that can do it? So the employees and the boss and that, they're your congregation to look after. I can tell people are getting really enthralled by this comment here. They're really thinking, man, this is, I never, this is unbelievable. So we're all pastors, really. Well, aren't we? Don't we all care for people? So how about caring for the people you work with? Is that a, is that a good idea? Who think that's a good idea? One. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Is there two? Is there a second? Three? Yeah, yeah. So tell the person next to you, hi, pastor. Huh? Hi, pastor. And now, now tell them, I hope you're looking after your congregation. Eh? Hey? <laughs> I'm preaching this message and I have no idea if it's getting through at all. But I just hope. It's all biblical. Aren't you meant to love the people you work for? Isn't that scripture? We're just shifting it to pastor. Well, why would you be a pastor? Well, because you're a full-time minister of the gospel. So, church full of pastors. Awesome. Aren't we all meant to be loving? Is that in your Bible as well? <laughs> Not just in my Bible, is it? All meant to love. You know, love your neighbor? So when you go to work tomorrow, who's your neighbor? All right, let's move on. Next point. <laughs> I think I've said enough. I've said, I think I've said enough. All right, as we wrap this up, here we go. We're finishing on Exodus 31, 2 to 5. Bezalel. Bezalel. I've filled him with this, watch this, I've filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and knowledge in all manner of workmanship to design artistic works. This is anointing, friends. What? To work in gold, silver, bronze, and cutting jewels for setting and carving wood and work in all manner of workmanship. So God anointed mightily Bezalel with skill to excel in practical work. In practical work, the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you in your workplace, whatever you do, whatever the role is, whether it's a builder or a teacher or a lawyer or a salesperson or a laborer, whatever it is, there's anointing available to you to excel in the workplace, to excel in the marketplace, to, to, do, to do better than you would do with your natural abilities. So it's time to accept if you would be willing to and acknowledge your calling as a full-time minister of the gospel in the workplace. And with that, to step into a whole new level 
of God's presence, God's power, His anointing, miracles, and success. And that is wherever God has placed you in this season. With that, we'll mobilize the army of God and the kingdom of God will expand more rapidly than ever before. And we can turn this nation back to Jesus.